0: Hi, Luis. Hi, Tiago. So today we're going to go into something that me and Tiago were doing yesterday about testing. So I asked Tiago whether I should... So I I had a class that had maybe seven different functions in. And I asked Tiago whether I should test individually each function. And that one little question brought us into like a massive rabbit hole. Which was really good, where we were questioning why we were doing certain tests. And it's based on the idea that there shouldn't be seven open things to test. Is that correct? Yeah. On the class. Um, and instead, I should be thinking, I and mean, basically, those seven things were this is a class where you can get whether the class was full, whether it was empty, whether other things about it, all these properties. And basically what you were saying was that shouldn't be the case. Like I shouldn't have that many open things. Um, And we went from that and we really got into where that test was used. And we went from like the outside in and we went right back to the start of when the first first function called another function, that called another function that used this class. And we started testing that original function. It was really interesting. It was, a massive, uh, like, it was a massive change in mindset when it came to testing for me. And it was a, it was a good thing to get into. So, yeah, let's, let's begin on that.
1: Okay. Just to give a little bit more of context. So, that relates to the tell, don't ask uh, principle that then I, uh, I linked to you. Yeah. And then we can also link in the show notes. But basically, it's a, a code smile where you're asking too much thing much things from an object and then mm. deciding what to do. So in this particular case, the class was asking, okay, are you full? If so, then do this kind of thing. And instead, following the... If you, if you are doing object-oriented programming, you should tell the class, okay, do this kind of thing. And internally, the class should know how it should, uh, how it should behave and what it should do, what mm. kind of logic. The logic should be around there. So you should... Tell things like passing messages and telling objects, okay, do this thing and don't care about low level details or the state of this particular object. But uh, once we, like like you're saying, once we started investigating, we went up in the call hierarchy until we found uh, what I thought was a good starting point (laughs) on the end. And I I, I still think it is, but it uh, was much more work than uh, we thought it was. So we got into a static uh, function from an object that used this team object. And uh, in there, what we tried to do was putting the static method under tests first. So then we could refactor it. And um, in there, the main problem that we found was that actually the static method was using other static methods. To access the, in this case, the lat the database. Mm. So maybe you can uh, explain what was uh, our strategy of how to do that, how to replace these uh, without first breaking the existing code, and uh, second, uh, without breaking the existing clients.
0: Yeah. So so the the problem we had was the original static function was calling other static functions. And the way we got around that was by abstracting them map. So we, we had uh, basically the original static function was trying to get to the database. So we abstracted, like we made a new protocol that was defining what we should expect from a class that could access the database. Then we, in our production code, this protocol, the class we would use that we would inject into everything would be the class that goes to the database. Whereas what we could then do in the test is make a, a mock class, a mock object, and that object didn't actually go to the database. So we could run the tests like really quickly.
1: Yeah. So this, this sort of technique using test doubles is what you do in order to test things unitarily. You no, know, otherwise... You need the real objects to run the code. And you don't want that. Otherwise, you cannot test things in isolation. And like you were saying, it maybe goes to the network or goes to the database. So it's a, a, a testing technique. Um, and we got pretty near to, to get the, the static method under test. It only missed it to abstract one more mm. of that dependency that it used internally. So I don't know. What what do you think was the most valuable thing that you learned during this this exercise?
0: I think that so. So I'd been in, introduced, I guess, to dependency injection. I knew the concept, but I didn't use it practically because my code isn't tested code, and then so there wasn't really a need for me to do it. There wasn't a pressing need, so I didn't do it. Then what what was so nice about it was it did make me think, okay, it's helpful for tests, but then it's also helpful for, for say, my database changed. I wouldn't, my, the code that we were trying to test, that wouldn't have to change at all if my database changed. All I'd have to do is make another object that conforms to that protocol, and that would, and everything would be completely fine because still an object that conforms to that protocol would be there and that's all that we were using for the test. And that that was that was very valuable, but also it the 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 outside in overall method, the method of thinking why am i doing this? That that to me was the most valuable thing thinking why again, the i was originally just had an object that i was just going to test every different method for it and see if they worked. But then it was good to think like, actually, why am I telling, Am I, why does someone else need to know the, whether this object is full or empty? Mm. That that was, for me, the biggest thing.
1: Yeah, this relates to the reason uh, when I'm testing something or moreover, when I'm designing something using TDD, I always try to think on that. What is the behavior that we want to verify? And why do we test? We test to, to verify that our code is working as we expect it to, no? So if if it is a simple thing, uh, like, for example, we, we are saying about the empty is empty, no? I will not test that because if it is empty, if I'm using, for example, a standard library method, I suppose it works. It's from yeah. the standard library what I want to test is my code and my implementation and how the different collaborators interact with each other, what what happens in this kind of scenario and test my business logic and not the standard library or the framework that I'm using. So um, in in your experience, um, why do you think uh, testing is important?
0: Okay, so so, um, I can see now why testing is important. So I, I've i had a project that I've been working on for a year, nearly a year and a half. And in this project, to begin with, I didn't see the value of tests because I just knew everything worked. I was completely on my own building the project. I, I didn't have to, no one else had to have confidence in my code. It was only me. And so for that reason, I didn't see the practical value of adding tests. Now, I'm as, as I'm balancing trying to learn, but at the same time trying to l- give something that the world can use, uh, in that balance, I'm, I didn't see the value of learning how to test well, mm-hmm. whereas I was trying to produce something as well. Whereas now, I'm realizing that it's a lot nicer to have fully tested code. And the reason I find this is the confidence side of it. That mm-hmm. to me, like seems to be the biggest thing because, because I'm just a single team. No one okay. else has to have confidence in what I'm building. Um, but if I can have confidence, then I can have confidence in changes so I can ship more. It's it's a big thing that we've discussed so many times that it's, I don't do continuous integration because I feel is when I make changes to my project, I can't have full confidence in them unless I try every mm. every possibility that comes with yeah. my project. Yeah. And, and that's something that tests wouldn't happen. If I had a fully tested um, project, I could do one day of work and ship it because I could say with confidence that... Yeah. It, it would be the same quality as it was before. But whereas now I have to wait and wait until like enough times pass and then test everything individually.
1: Okay. Yeah, but yeah, for, for sure, the confidence part is really important. Another thing that I noticed is at least when I was, uh, when I was learning how to test and uh, maybe we can try to talk after the different kind of testings and the ones that we used to test iOS apps, But when I was learning how to test software, it really forced me to learn and to understand what I was doing Mm. and why I was doing that. And also the thing that you talked before about dependency injection, some kind of concepts, um, you really need to learn them to do testing, not properly, but in an easy way. Otherwise, Mm. it's too difficult to to do testing. Because if you don't have a, a good architecture and good design software or good design practices, the code that you produce sometimes is really too difficult to, to test because or you are tied too much to the framework that you are using yeah. or because you have a synchronous code that can take a long time to run or concurrent code. It becomes really difficult to isolate different parts and test them individually without creating side effects, without having to boot up your whole application and access to the database. So that for me is another good advantage. Is more from the, the design architecture to the
0: actual design.
1: Yeah, I so guess that's an interesting
0: thing on what we were doing yesterday. So when we, were, we weren't we were having massive problems, but we were running into problems because of the way the code was architected. Yeah. And I, I have this feeling, and you can probably confirm this, that if we were tested if if I'd written that code with the idea that it'd be tested code I would have written it in a easier way to test Mm. and and so what you're saying there is by writing it in that way you're also right like you're also designing a better system
1: yeah they don't totally correlate let's say like only because it's tested the code is is good but uh, in my experience, it forces you to go that extra mile and like yeah. to make the things more decoupled and uh, because it's easier. Otherwise, you can still test, but it's more difficult. So to make yeah. testing easier, you divide the responsibilities, you make things explicit. For example, in that case, it was emerging also a thing that was before implicit in the design. That was, you. you needed to... Decoupled. How you save the things, no? Yeah. From the logic, your business logic, they were yeah. completely tied in that. Yeah, they were. But was was difficult to see because was everything in the same um, in the same function and was not clear that the complexity was there. So uh, by testing, you are expliciting this complexity. The complexity is still there. Nothing changes. it's Just that instead of being implicit, that is hidden there and you can see that it's accessing that database, then if you inject it, once you were injecting for tests, it was from the outside, from a client, it was obvious that it was accessing the database because you were passing the database. So something that before was implicit, now becomes explicit. Uh,
0: yeah, because it, it actually was really hidden where we sent to the database. If yeah. you had called the original function, it was maybe buried in two more levels yeah. deeper that we actually called to the database.
1: And this, in my experience, leads to very uh, nasty bugs in the sense that uh, your code, sometimes a function called should not have side effects because otherwise yeah, a yeah, client... it should do the thing. Yeah, it should do uh, the thing that it says. Otherwise, if it yeah. has side effects... Uh, <laughs> can lead, because programmers, as a programmers okay, if we are a, a, a team of one, then maybe you can take your, if the, complex, the problem is not that complex, you can take all the software in your head, let's say. But mm-hmm. once it starts growing and complexity starts growing, you cannot know every detail of your code. And if you call a meter that says uh, calculate this and uh, returns this result, and that actually deletes uh, something in the database you'll be really surprised uh, that this happened. And right. this can be two bugs that are super difficult to, to resolve. That's, that's what I think. Well, this actually like, it
0: is kind of why I didn't value tests as much at the start. And, and that basically was that I knew what was happening with my code. <laughs> so and, and that's the thing. But then like I knew then what was happening in my code. But does that mean in a year's time I'll know what was happening with my code. Because I still look back at previous things I've done and I have a surprise. I'm like, it's not exactly how I expected it to work. Hmm. So in that respect, I obviously I am a team of one, but it's like working with someone that knows something that I don't. <laughs> it's just instead of that person is just me in the past.
1: Hey, someone once <laughs> said like resolving a bug is like being a detective in a case where you are also the... <laughs> <laughs> the that's, person that's, that committed the crime, no? That's quite good. But yeah, like you said, it, it can be even the same person. But imagine, for example, uh, now I I, I, uh, I will start doing a project that I don't work for one year. Okay? So I will not remember anything. No. I will remember some parts, but in general... And who says that? if It can be even you, but it can be if you need to onboard a new person. Mm. No? A new person, it doesn't mean that the person has to know has to know all the system and knowledge about all the system to start contributing to, to the project. If things are, well, distributed, decoupled, isolated... They can do can, that one second. They could, do, they could improve already and start contributing right away instead of taking three months to be on board on that project. I, I, I also ro- hear that just
0: reading the test can give you a very good understanding yes. of what the thing is doing.
1: Yeah, because the tests act as a client... Yeah, so one, yeah, one yeah, client yeah. is the application, but the other client is the tests. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, we we talked uh, about that when, uh, in TDD, you know, because it's more... The tests are more like a side effect, but one particular... The main aspect of it is using as a design tool. So you are seeing how your code uh, looks from uh, a client perspective. Client perspective, yeah. Because you are designing the API while you are building the code. So yeah. if something doesn't work, you can see immediately like, okay, this. Is, if the test is being too difficult to write, then it means that it will impose too much work on the client, because mm. it will need So, So one one place we could go from there
0: is how to write a good test. Okay. And I know this again is something Tiago unsurprisingly has done a presentation <laughs> <on>. <laughs> And we, we're going to go into the three A's.
1: Okay. So the, the three A's is a pattern on uh, on how to write tests. It, it can be unit tests or also other kind of testings, but usually follow these three steps called act, uh, arrange, act, and assert. Yeah. So if you have these three defined steps, the tests become much more easy to read because from an an outsider... An outsider you enter in the test, you read the first line that is the name of the test. And then you have three lines, where in the first one is just preparing uh, the system under test. Then the second one is acting on that system under test by doing some method call. uh, And then the last part is while, while you are asserting that some condition was met. So let's imagine, for example, a very simple thing to test, it's, it can be a calculator, a calculator engine. Our uh, arrange part could be, okay, let's set up this calculator, for example, could be instantiate the calculator object. Then the act could be the calculator.calculate, uh, and you pass an operation, okay. for example. And then the assert could be verifying the result, no? So we have the building the calculator. Uh, inputting that operation, and then seeing that the calculation was correct. So these three, becomes really easy to read, and it can also be used, for example, in the UI testing. You could, for example, in for- the first uh, step, could be okay. In first, that I'm uh, on the login screen. Then I do the login with a valid user. Then I assert that it did the login with the co- with the correct uh, uh, okay, yes. behavior. So so I have
0: a question on the the um setup of it. Mm. When you're running these tests, do you set up everything individually in one test or do you set up once and then run several tests on it?
1: So in here there are different uh, schools of yeah. thought. <laughs> one says okay, if I'm if I'm doing the same work for everyone, I should not duplicate this work. I should uh, Extracted, for example, in a setup method. Uh, another way of thinking uh, that I tend to follow more uh, is from the book uh, Working Effectively with the Unit Tests from J. Fields. And in there, the idea is that each test should be isolated in a sense that I should be able to read it, only the, the test, and understand what is going on without. Uh, let's say scrolling to the setup meter, coming back, uh, going up again, etc. Okay, yeah. So sense. every test is like a, its own module its a, own own thing. Own thing. But yeah, so, some work can be very tedious to do, and maybe you can try to extract that in a helper function, or try to compose the work that you need using some builder or some other pattern. So you still want the readability so you yeah. can look at a test and see exactly what's So happening. my perfect scenario in a test is that I go to, even from a debugging point of view, if a test is failing, I want to uh, run my test suite, that test fails, I click on it, or I, I go uh, in the command line if I'm running that, and from the description of the test, I can understand exactly why it failed and what was the reason. So I can read the test name, and understand what is testing. I can see the arranged part, see how it is composing, and what is going to be the system under the test. Then I can understand clearly how it is uh, probing the system, and then the final part, why this assertion is mismatching. Okay. From a debugging point of view as well. So, so
0: one question away from that is um, when, when you've got a test, the uh, how often do you find yourself changing that test? If that makes any sense, like if you're changing the architecture of your code, then I guess that test fails, and then you have to change it. How often do you find yourself changing already existing tests? Yeah, that should never
1: happen. I guess yeah. you- your your tests should be um, decoupled from your test code. It if you change your test code and like you change one line of your test code and 20 tests break. This is not a good scenario. Why, why is that? Because your tests are fragile and they are really coupled to the, to the test code, to the code that they are testing. And you don't want to test scenario because your, your tests should improve uh. your ag- agility, should improve your way of refactoring the code without changing. So refactoring is changing the internal Parts of the code and uh, improving it without uh, changing his external behavior. So, if you are if if you see yourself in that situation where you change some simple line of code like to simplify it and twenty tests break, then it means that you have a problem. Your inner tests are too coupled to your. So the tests are too coupled to the code that they're testing. Yeah, uh,
0: and so so your perfect scenario is one where so yeah so so, how do you change the architecture without the test breaking
1: so the the like, let's imagine the perfect scenario the perfect scenario would be if I make a mistake in the code for example I have a, a condition let's say this should be greater than zero yep. and someone goes there and puts less than zero I should have one failing test only yep in the case, okay, maybe the um, I'm talking about the unit unit tests. Okay. Yeah, 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 Obviously yeah. the maybe the integration and the UI acceptance tests and UI will also fail because of these cascades. But ideally, I don't want to have 20 unit tests failing in the same okay. class. I want me to point exactly to the thing that I broke. Ah, so so this that I understand.
0: But then say, okay, so you're doing test-driven development, you write the test first, you then make an object. But then you decide that object's logic should actually, that logic should be in another object. Yeah. So you move the logic,
1: then all the tests fails. Ah, you do everything incrementally. So there are techniques also to do that in a way that you, you start to extract the collaborator without breaking the tests, and you to do this new collaborator. Then, for example, you can call. Uh, imagine that you have this responsibility in that class. Yeah. Okay. And you say, oh, this this should be really in a different object. Okay. Then you define the new object and start writing the test for it. Then you can inject also on in this class this new object. And you duplicate the call. So you are calling the old code and the new code. Okay. And once you see that it verifies, then you can remove the old code and the new code. So, so what you're finishing. actually
0: doing is testing the collaborator object. Yeah. And that object's not the one that changed. Even if you move stuff around within it, yeah. that collaborator object yeah. m- on very few occasions. That, be. That's why you
1: should focus uh, on testing more behavior than let's say properties. Okay. Because if you test properties, first of all, you are like calling that property directly if for some reason the name changes, no? Yeah, then Then it it, breaks. breaks. Okay, or you rename everything that I set at the same time. You can also do that. So, for example, imagine that you want, depends on the type of refactoring, of course, but Mm. for example, there are refactorings that you can do that don't break the source code, the tests, because you changed as well. For example, the renaming is one. If I rename a variable or a meter... Yeah, that shouldn't break. It's it shouldn't break case. because I'm renaming the whole project. But let's say the case that you were talking about. When I want to extract this, I have this function, and I decide that this should be in a different object here. Yeah. One way to do that is, for example, uh, start by making the function static. Okay? You make the function static. You try to run the test not compile. Mm. Okay, then I go to the points where the, the function is being called and I put the, I call it as a, a static as a a function. static function because I put the name of a class and the name of the function. okay. Then if that is static, I cannot it doesn't matter to to that class if it is there or, or if in, it is another there, one. in another one. So you you move it to another one, you run the test again and everything still passes.
0: Okay, so it's just another technique. Yeah, and how to?
1: There is actually a name for it, but I I uh, I don't remember. That is a way to always uh, stay in green uh, by doing refactorings. Yeah, there is actually some techniques to to do that, and also depends like you were talking about the confidence. If I'm confident, I I always using source control so uh, version control. Sorry, <laughs> if I. Um, if I try this approach, I see that a lot of things break. Then I start. I try to do a, a smaller thing first. Yep, and I go f- from there. Nice. That's, like was- <laughs>
0: that's really good. That's um, really cool, especially the the last bit. That that was where a lot of my kind of worries when it came to testing. I didn't mm-hmm. understand that, so that that was really helpful. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Uh, just another thing. Uh, one good exercise to start uh, uh, testing and start practicing this thing is uh, a thing that we'll link in the show notes: the racing car kata. That is a kata, uh, an exercise, let's say, pff, one hour, two hours, where you can test uh, a code that depends on a real sensor. Yeah. No. For example, this in mobile applications could be, for example, the Bluetooth that you don't have access on the simulator. So you will say, okay, how do I test this? And in, in this simple exercise, you can explore, for example, how you can do dependency injection and use test doubles, so you can uh, learn how to, to test your code more in a more easy way. And it's these sort of exercises that after you see it and done it, you gain a much better understanding of why it's difficult to test or what makes testing easier and how can you make it. Nice. Yeah. That's nice.